Glenn Show in 30 minutes. We get rocks. We get Rex Hoggard live from the British Open. The Open Championship 2019 style is being called the greatest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland. The British Open is almost always on England, English, or Scottish soil. It has been to Northern Ireland before, but not in a long, long time. Tickets for all four days, starting Thursday and running through Sunday in terms of competitive play, already are sold out. That is the greatest pre-sale in the 148-year history of the Open Championship. It is, of course, a special event for a guy like Rory McIlroy, who has deep roots in that part of that part of the world. More on the Open Championship with Rex Hoggard in about 30 minutes. Your phone calls are invited best and worst of the weekend, and we did promise a classic sports movie challenge. Last week, just this morning, I actually mailed out three prizes as they were selected from DG Show Prize winners. Among them, those who identified the Sandlot movie last week, uh, we had... Caddyshack as a classic sports movie of the day. Clearly, we're not trying to make this too difficult for you to win prizes from the DG Show prize closet. But because we're in Charlotte Wednesday and Thursday, interviewing big-time football coaches like Dabo Sweeney of Clemson and big-time athletes like those assembled from the 14 ACC football programs, live shows from Charlotte Wednesday and Thursday, the classic sports movie challenge on our show, which became famous many, many years ago, is available only once a month. I mean, excuse me, for one month per year. So we didn't want to steal too many days. We can't have a classic sports movie challenge on Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to be surrounded by elite coaches and athletes, and we're going to be face-to-face -face interviews. We're going to have face-to-face -face interviews with them Wednesday and Thursday on these airwaves. Classic sports movie challenge plugged in today. Hopefully we'll have another tomorrow, and we will have one Friday. That'll give me three more things to mail out. 99% of all available prizes are mailed by us at the David Glenn Show. Every once in a while, if you pick something that is too large, I ask you to come to the studio to get it. But 99% is not a bad ratio. If you've never heard of the Classic Sports Movie Challenge, it is the fastest-growing game show, I believe still, in the history of sports radio. We play an audio clip from not just a sports movie, but one of the 50 voted the greatest sports movies of all time by our syndicated statewide audience here in North Carolina. Intern Will is back in the house by popular demand. Darren Vaught has queued up the latest audio. We will not have today any of the football movies that typically generate winners here on the David Glenn Show. We are not going, I don't believe, back to the golf world. I mean, it's tough to top Caddyshack, if I remember correctly, from previous years. This is not Rocky or any other boxing movie. This is not Slapshot or any other hockey movie. This is not a Kevin Costner gig. He seems to pop up a lot in various capacities. This is not Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan in A League of Their Own, although I bet that makes an appearance at some point this summer here on the David Glenn Show. This is not David Cutcliffe's favorite sports movie of all time. That would be Waterboy, starring Adam Sandler. This, no, no more hints. Darren Vaught, cue up the audio. To win, you just have to be the first to correctly identify it. Smart listeners call in early because once they hear this audio, everybody's going to know what it is. 1-800-849-2761. Intern Will will dazzle us with details 
typically fascinating trivia, but little-known trivia, even sometimes educating you about movies that you thought were your favorite of all time, but you had no idea there were so many interesting tidbits behind them. Darren Vaught, cue up the audio. We'll have a winner shortly. I'll mail the prizes by this time next week, I promise. Got to give me some time because we're going to Charlotte for two days. 1-800-849-2761. Rex Hoggard later this hour. The classic sports movie challenge right now on the David Glenn Show. I cannot hit curveball. Straight ball, I hit it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. I asked Joe Boo to come. Take fear from bats. I offer him cigar and rum. Jesus, I like him very much. He no help with curveball. You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Okay, Harris. <laughs> Wouldn't leave a rum sitting around out here with this group. <laughs> it's very bad to steal Jobu's rum. He's very bad. I know this movie, and I'm surprised that you guys actually dug out a different audio tidbit. I was thinking a certain famous actor and a certain famous role that is very prominent in this movie. You know what I'm talking about? That person and that character is not in that are, are not in that clip, are they? I mean, I didn't think I misheard anybody. No, maybe there. somewhere in the in the locker room. Back but not, room? Yeah. Back background? <laughs> All right. Th- this is famous though. I mean, I think it's still a giveaway. But there would have been a different type of audio that would have maximized how easy this is. 1-800-849-2761. Are we going to Brian in Wilmington? All right, first up in the classic sports movie challenge. This is not one of those where you can, you know, cheat and just look something up on Wikipedia. It is audio. Sometimes we make it an audio daily double jeopardy style. We do have more clips from this classic sports movie. We'll see if Brian in Wilmington can get a win today only hearing that part of this classic sports movie. Brian, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Can you name that classic sports movie? I believe I can. Go ahead. Is it Major League? It is indeed Major League. Oh, I'm so happy. I can't even feel my arms. And it is indeed, to be clear, the original Major League, right? None of these sequels. How did you not end up with a Charlie, Sheen, Char- Charlie Sheen, Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn, Closer type thing? I can still hear the fans chanting Wild Thing as he storms in from the bullpen, right? Classic rock song to go with the classic sports movie. Brian in Wilmington is the winner. Is there something in the water down there? Pun intended. Because I think most of this year's winners in the classic sports movie challenge have been from Wilmington. And, I mean, again, we don't make it difficult for you. We like winners. Like Mike Singletary, we want winners here on the David Glenn Show. We make it easy, but if you call before you hear the audio, it's a little less easy. I believe all of this year's winners are from Wilmington. I'll have to double-check that. I've mailed out a lot of prizes. I am happy to mail more. 1-800-849-2761. If you want in for any other reason, best and worst of the weekend or the NBA, NFL, college football, ACC kickoff, ACC network, and other headlines of the day, 1-800-849-2761. But intern Will is in studio with me as we speak. Apologies to Rocco and everybody else who probably would have gotten that classic sports movie challenge, the right answer as well. There will be additional opportunities tomorrow and Friday of this week 
Again, Wednesday and Thursday, our time will be gobbled up by live interviews with ACC football head coaches and star players. Intern Will did such a good job with his sandlot assignment that uh, I think he got a raise, a promotion, some time off, a paid vacation to the Caribbean. No, I'm just kidding. He is back in the saddle, though. Uh, Sadly, I wish I could tell you, Will, that I did those things for you. I guess uh, eternal gratitude is about all I can give you along those lines. Or uh, doesn't Bill Murray have a good line in Caddyshack? Will has total consciousness. Yes, he will receive total consciousness. Thanks to the Dalai Lama, big hitter the Lama. And uh, he has that going for him, which is nice. Intern Will dazzle us with details. It's hard because we know Major League in this movie well. Try to dazzle us with fascinating yet little-known details. Go ahead to dazzling detail number one. All right, I'll do my best to dazzle again today. Um, The first one is actually my personal favorite. So Charlie Sheen, his fastball in the movie... It turns out that they, they really didn't have to use that much cinematic effect for wow. that because he actually threw mid-80s. Wow. Yeah. I Kind of mind-blowing. Honestly, as somebody who pitched my whole life and yeah. never, never, ever, ever, I, I pitched for 20 years, never got to the mid-80s. I mean, <laughs> you can throw 79 miles an hour and get late into high school if you're crafty like I was, you know, maybe – Maybe uh, adding substances to the ball, Gaylord Perry style. No, I didn't do that. But you could be a junk balling lefty and top out at 79 miles an hour. It's impressive to me that any actor would be throwing 85 miles an hour. That that shocks me. Well, I don't want to step on your toes here if this yeah, is that's another dazzling detail. Another detail. Charlie Sheen actually got an offer to play baseball pitching for the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh-huh. Is that stealing any I, of your material? You're not new to the classic <laughs> sports movie challenge. I'm the one who accidentally stubs the toes of the interns That's my bad, by fumbling all over their research. I, I hope not to do that today. I am better with each passing year. Go ahead, intern Will. Tell us more, uh, maybe even about that. We can stagger right to the Darren Vaught-inspired tidbit that uh, he just stole from you. Go ahead. Um, well, he did. Have... <laughs> well, that was that. That was that's it. That was that. That's the end he, of that. He crushed it. It's, it's over. It's over. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So fact number two, uh, Charlie Sheen told Sports <laughs> Charlie Sheen told Sports Illustrated in an interview that he actually roided up for the movie to get a little bit more on that fastball. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's new information to me, but not at all shocking. I'll put it that way. All right, next fact. Director David Ward, uh, he's actually a lifelong Indians fan, and he felt that the only way he would be able to see his Indians win something was to create a movie of them winning something. (laughs) Also not surprising. Very well done. The Cleveland Indians, let's see, now that most other droughts have ended, Uh, The Cleveland Indians still have one of the longest championship droughts in any of the major sports that we follow. At least they won something on TV. All right, so fact number four, uh, the Wesley Snipes character, Willie Mays Hayes, was actually based on MLB, real-life MLB base-stealing legend Ricky Henderson. Ooh, I like that. And And, and he played it well. Base-stealer, very charismatic, talkative, big personality, well-played. Now... When, as you mentioned that, Snipes, he actually wasn't very good at baseball. He really had only played a couple of times. In fact, you know, in the movie, he's lightning, lightning speed. Yes. But they actually shot his base ceiling scenes in slow motion 
to give the illusion he was fast, but he actually really wasn't. Hey, by the way, let me in- interrupt intern Will here. Flashing back to the audio that led to the prize for the listener. And intern Will, you can chime in on this if you want. Darren, you can chime in as the guy who cued this up from the archives. Think of the great characters that we had available for today's audio clip, all right? You got Tom Berenger as the very dislikable Jake Taylor, right? You had Charlie Sheen as Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. These guys were either not heard or barely heard in the clip that you chose. This is amazing to me. Or no, Roger Dorn is the easy to hate guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Corbin Burnson. Yep. He's easy to dislike in a lot of different characters that he plays, <laughs> including Roger Dorn, right? So Jake Taylor, Tom Berenger, these are great actors and great characters. You had Willie Mays Hayes that Will just referred to, played by Wesley Snipes. You had the broadcaster Harry Doyle, played by the legendary broadcaster Bob Euchre. You had all these to choose from. And was it the central figure in the audio that we chose I mean, is Pedro Serrano even one of the top five characters in that movie? Yeah, he's top five. Is he? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the, the guys, most of whom you Ricky's listed number are one. there. Ricky's number one. I I love Bob Euchre in in his broadcasting role. I think he ties it all you together. You can't tell so me well. Harry Doyle's lower in the pecking order than Pedro Serrano, is he? I don't know, man. Serrano's like one of the players, though. He's I know, doing it. But... All right, and who was he talking to in that clip? Do we know? Eddie Harris, yeah. the, the veteran pitcher. Because, you know, in baseball movies, teams only have, like, two pitchers. Of course. So it was, it was every game was started by Harris and closed out by Vaughn or, or We've however. Been, I've been overworked as a junk-balling lefty <laughs> since my Little League coach in 1972, man. You don't have to tell me more about that. It's good to know that the rules apply as well in the silver screen. <laughs> yeah. they, they just throw us out there. They don't even care about the health of our rotator cuffs, Darren. All right, intern. Well, thanks for letting us interrupt. On to more dazzling details about today's classic sports movie challenge movie, Major League. All right, fact five. Charlie Sheen, in fact, did not like his haircut, uh, (laughs) his wild thing haircut. In fact, he said, you know, bar comments were already bad enough without the haircut, (laughs) but you throw that in and you're you're asking for a fist fight. Hey, what are the different phrases that Charlie Sheen has become known for? Winning is winning one. Winning is one. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, essentially cocaine and strippers, just as a phrase, have <laughs> been a part of Charlie Sheen and his story for a long, long time now. So none of these dazzling details involving Charlie, except for the 85 mile an hour heater, none of them surprise us, I think, in the more general sense. I mean, that is, is he, in, does he, did he coin one of the animal phrases as well? The animal spirit, or does he just channel the animal spirit? Maybe that's maybe that's something he borrowed from somebody what, else. Uh, no, no, no. You're you're on to something. On to there something? was a tiger or something related. Yeah. Hold yeah. on. I'm gonna like I'm gonna find that. Charlie Sheen and tiger blood or animal spirit or something. He's always going off the deep end, isn't he? I mean, to be clear, I would like to attend the parties that he throws. Just just to be <laughs> tiger very, blood was tiger the blood. was the yeah. specific reference he made. Tiger yeah, yeah. blood. All right. What else you got in turn, Will? The original title for the film uh, actually wasn't Major League. It was uh, titled Dead Last. Oh, no. Yeah. This, one's, this one turned out better, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Dead Last. No, that's not very compelling. Major League with a trailer that includes the wild thing coming out of the bullpen to that famous, what is it, a Trog song, Wild Thing? It's one of the original classic uh, songs that I remember growing up as a kid. That wild thing, they turned into a movie and a great character. 
I'm all in favor of the way it turned out over that. By the way, budget for this movie, $11 million. Box office success, $50 million plus. And that doesn't count like merchandising and DVDs and the rest of that. So that's, you could say that it was winning financially, <laughs> even as it was winning in the eyes of many of our fans across North Carolina who voted it one of the 50 greatest classic sports movies of all time. All right, Will, keep going. All right, we got two facts to go. Um, number seven, the Indians in the movie, they actually didn't get to shoot the movie in Cleveland. They shot it at the. Uh, f- they shot it in Milwaukee, in the former home of the Brewers. <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Did no. not know that. Now they're all dressed up as Indians fans. Yeah, and yeah. Bob Euchre is the Milwaukee Brewers broadcaster. So I don't know. Maybe that was more convenient for sense. him. I, I don't know. And that's you, moving a lot of people for the guy. Who yeah, must for be in one the front guy. Row. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, apparently, apparently, there's scenes in the movie you can actually see the Brewers logo not completely covered up on the stadium and the. WJMJ oh, no. NBC Milwaukee affili- affiliate. Some people logo. are experts at finding those little snafus. Yeah, I didn't know that. You know, like what was the thing in the Game of Thrones from this past year? There was a coffee cup <laughs> yeah, left yeah. <laughs> in the cut that made the show. Yeah, it was in one of the integral scenes of that episode. So unless you know, there's a, there was a little known coffee revolution hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago and that there were drive-through windows at which they would put coffee in your cup in what not quite prehistoric times but whatever that time period was uh then a prop master left their coffee cup in the middle of a scene of game of thrones those snafus rarely go undetected i I did not know about that one with major league well done again in turn will what else do you have all right the last fact um since the Joe Boo scene was our uh, audio choice of the day, uh, Joe Boo, the the actual doll figurine that was in the movie, made popular by Pedro Serrano, uh, the guy that could hit a fastball in the next century but couldn't sniff a curveball, his voodoo doll is actually owned by uh, Brian Robinson, who's the director of the uh, production company, Morgan Creek Production, who made Major League, and he still owns it, and he's actually turned down up to $35,000 offers for that doll. Mere coincidence that intern Will, representing with distinction William Peace University, and I I have to underline and italicize with distinction given his performance on these classic sports movie challenges. We do give the interns a surprising amount of input, frankly, given that we've been at this for like a combined half century, Darren. Shouldn't it be you do what you're told whether you like it or not? That's how it worked for me as a kid. Have time changed that much? No, I'm just kidding. These guys are really smart, really sharp. They love sports. I'm just curious. Mere coincidence that you went back-to-back baseball choices? We give these guys incredible leeway. Most of the time, we approve their selection of a movie. As long as it's not too obscure, it has to be in the top 50, of course. So was that just two of your favorites that you were excited about diving into? Yeah, I mean, I've... I mean, I've played baseball my whole life, so I'm maybe a little bit biased. So, yeah. But those are definitely my top oh, two man. favorites. There's a heavy baseball influence in our crew today. Absolutely. I forgot that Will was a lifelong baseball guy. Darren Vaught's played it, broadcast it for a long, long time. And, and I'm like almost a half century myself right there. So that it's a baseball-heavy crew that we have today. This might matter only to me. And, and Will's work is done here. If he, if he knows anything – about the lovely and talented Rene Russo's place in Major League, I would certainly be all ears. I hope someone besides me is curious about this, but 
Am I right to say that Rene Russo, not at all most well-known for anything related to sports, correct, would be in at least two, maybe more, of the greatest sports movies of all time? Rene Russo was in Major League. I know that. I know yeah. it was not a huge character. Fantastic in that role, though. Her name was Lynn Wells yeah. in the movie. The love interest of Jake Taylor. Like yes. an old flame that gets reignited and, and all of that sort so of thing. So she's Lynn Wells in Major League, which is made in like 1989. So that had to be the very beginning of Rene Russo's career. Not that I've followed it so closely that I'm stalker-like. But she was also in Major League Two, which was made about five years later. And, you know, spoiler alert, because I don't know what the rest of these clowns are going to pick from future classic sports movies. But she, I mean, Dr. Molly Griswold in Tin Cup. I mean, how can you not fall in love with that version of Rene Russo? No? Am I forgetting other sports movies? I think those are the two. She's done a lot of other stuff, obviously. But those are probably her only two appearances in the classic sports movie challenge, to my dismay. Rene Russo. Making an appearance. I always love it when that happens here on the David Glenn Show. Intern Will, a very well done job as always. Rex Hoggard is going to join us live from the other side of the pond. This year's Open Championship, the British Open as we call it over here, is being described as the biggest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland. It is almost always on English or Scottish soil. It is there in Northern Ireland once again this year. More on that part of this story. More on a sold-out British Open that sold out so early that it was a first in the history of an event that is almost 150 years old. Rory McIlroy, of course, among the local favorites, probably number one on that list, as he's also one of the leading contenders to win the whole thing. Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel later this hour. Your phone calls, best and worst of the weekend, ACC Network, and otherwise in between. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on the David Glenn Show. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. There you go. There Just you go. a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks who work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn Show. Among the things we'll get into with Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel when he joins us live from the British Open. Why did Tiger Woods spend most of the last month traveling with his family instead of playing actual tournament-style golf? Right? He's had a limited schedule since winning the Masters a few months ago. You don't want to be stuck on 15 forever the way he was stuck on 14 major championships forever. Rory McIlroy is the local favorite, but he hasn't won a major in almost five years. And as I mentioned earlier, it is already a sellout. It is the earliest sellout in the history of a 148-year-old event. The Open Championship is being called the biggest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland as it returns to that soil for the first time in a long, long time and for one of the few times ever. Rex Hoggard on those things a little bit later this hour. Last chance for you to jump in with your questions or comments on the ACC Network News. 
that I was able to break for you today at The Athletic Carolina. Every detail you could possibly imagine, the money aspect, the who's carrying it aspect, the why does it matter aspect, it's all there at The Athletic Carolina. And if you're a subscriber to the ACC Sports Journal, you'll see an even longer version, a deeper dive, if you will, on that same topic, an all-important one as our kickoff edition for that magazine comes out soon. If you're a subscriber, you recently got our basketball recruiting edition, uh, which came quickly after our football recruiting edition a little bit earlier this year. Learn more at accsports.com. Rex Haggard later this hour, best and worst of the weekend, and other questions and comments right now if you'd like to jump in. One of my questions of the day on basketball has gotten a lot of answers, and I just noticed another one at ESPN.com. Anthony Davis, the six-time All-Star big man, was introduced Saturday as a member of the L.A. Lakers. Rob Lowe, just kidding, Rob Palinka, the Lakers general manager, was there, and among the interesting tidbits that came out of AD's press conference, he said he was only exaggerating a little bit when he said that Rob Palinka, Lakers GM, called him, quote, every hour on the hour as he was trying to build more pieces around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Remember, at the very beginning, it was like, all right, the Lakers have three players, and two of them are among the ten best in the NBA, LeBron and AD. And Kyle Kuzma is a pretty good returnee from last year's team. Uh, but you got to field at least five. Like, they look at you funny if you send out only three players for the opening jump ball. Well, now we know that... Rajon Rondo, Quinn Cook, Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Avery Bradley, uh, Jared Dudley, DeMarcus Cousins, JaVale McGee. We know the rest of the roster. So I asked after AD's comments included, would this Lakers team beat every other NBA team in a seven-game series right now as constructed? And AD said, yes, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I believe that our roster matches up with anybody's in the whole NBA and I believe right now in a seven-game series, our guys would beat anybody else out there. So we've heard today from Warriors fans and Rockets fans and Clippers fans and Jazz fans and Blazers fans and Nuggets fans just in the Western Conference and there are others who are fans of teams in the East. ESPN posted its revised power rankings. Now remember, Kawhi and Paul George are in L.A. with the Clippers. A.D. and LeBron have that roster that has flushed out now around them. Russell Westbrook is now with James Harden again, this time with the Houston Rockets. I wondered how many teams would ESPN put ahead of LeBron James and AD and these L.A. Lakers, kind of in response to the question, in a seven-game series, who would come out victorious? Is it really the Lakers roster that matches up better than anybody else's? It's not surprising to me that ESPN's experts collectively said no. And the teams that right now... ESPN, and it's just for fun, but it's it's not the way too early power rankings anymore. It's the we mostly know where dudes are power rankings now, right? We only had half the roster two months ago, and that's why I wouldn't even allow power rankings. It was ridiculous. It'd be, it'd be like trying to pick lottery numbers, but not even saying in what language. You know, I mean, like at some point it just becomes ridiculous. And in that case, it was ridiculous. Now, not, not as ridiculous. There are still some dominoes that need to fall, some pieces that are still going to be traded or moved or, or added. But here's how ESPN put the power rankings earlier today. Milwaukee Bucks, number one. Denver Nuggets, number two. L.A. Clippers, led by Kawhi and PG, number three. My Philadelphia 76ers, number four. The new Houston Rockets, number five. Remember, they still have Eric Gordon, 
and P.J. Tucker and Clint Capella and Austin Rivers and some other support players to go with now Russell Westbrook and James Harden. No more CP3. At least for now, he's still property of the Oklahoma City Thunder, although I cannot imagine that that will remain the case. So how many teams did ESPN list before getting to LeBron and AD and the Lakers? Well, it was only those five. They had the Lakers sixth. So Milwaukee, Denver, the L.A. Clippers, the Sixers, and Houston, the top five in ESPN's power rankings here in the offseason. It is going to be a much more fun story to follow in the NBA this year. Rather than having realistically only a small handful of teams that could cut down the nets, which it's been for more than a decade at this point, I don't know. if Whoever's 10th on ESPN's list, would you laugh at their fans if they said they thought they had a chance to win it all? I don't know. I mean, let me look at who's number 10 right now. You tell me if you would laugh at them. The Toronto Raptors are listed 10th. How could you laugh at the Raptors? I mean, they've no more Kawhi Leonard, but I don't but know. That, they just won it. That's Rise, the defending champion. Rising star Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul's back, Serge Abaka is back. I think, you know, well, Danny Green's gone and, and uh, Kawhi's gone. So I wouldn't consider them one of the half dozen contenders, maybe hence their number 10 ranking by ESPN. But I don't know. The L.A. Lakers at number six probably about right is a reminder in most other years whoever you thought was the sixth best team in the nba in the middle of the summer had essentially zero chance of winning the nba title and i mean that's for most of my time following the nba that's for most of my lifetime as a sports fan you got your top five and 90 percent of the time somebody in that top five is going to win it and occasionally you get dirk and the dallas mavericks making an unexpected run Occasionally, you know, the Raptors did not come from off the radar. Now, they were not as high as the Warriors, you know, in, in the Vegas preseason odds. But they were in most people's top five back in the preseason. And that's the nature of the NBA until now. There are at least five or six teams in the West that have a legit shot. There are probably three or four in the East that have a legit shot. Some people like dynasties. I like that kind of unpredictability even more. And if you have both... If you're Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, probably your ideal league has somebody that sounds or still looks like a dynasty. And maybe when the Warriors are still healthy, you can still consider them. You know, Clay Thompson is back. New pieces added. Steph Curry is still there. Draymond is still there. It's, it's a five straight NBA championship series team, so they still matter. But if you have that dynasty-like figure, even if it's crumbling a bit, to go with that new level of unpredictability, I don't know if the NBA has an equation that will allow it to be more popular than that one. Rex Hoggard is one of our favorites on all things golf. He is in Northern Ireland for this week's Open Championship. Competitive play Thursday through Sunday, of course. Since we'll be at the ACC kickoff event Wednesday and Thursday, we thought today would be a good time to get a check-in from the other side of the pond. Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel on Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy's homecoming, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, and other favorites. Why is the average age of a British Open winner so much older than the average age for those who take the Masters, the U.S. Open, or the PGA? I'm not sure why. Maybe Rex Hoggard does. We'll find out next on the David Glenn Show. 
Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on the radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. The British Open begins Thursday, and it is not taking place where it usually takes place. Scotland, or more often England, would be the host of the Open Championship, as it's called over there. Some are describing this week's event in Northern Ireland, the biggest sporting event in the history of that country. Our correspondent from the Golf Channel, Rex Hogger, joins us now. Rex, what all goes in to this kind of reaction in Northern Ireland? Uh, we learned that it was the earliest sellout of all four days in the history of an event that is 148 years old. How many layers are there to that story? Oh, I, I don't think that's exaggerating at all. I mean, again, I'm kind of jaded, so I, I work for the Golf Channel. I'm a, a golf writer, but it, this is the biggest sporting event for Northern Ireland. I'm pretty sure Roy McIlroy would tell you the same thing and Graham McDowell simply because they've worked so hard and they've wanted this for so long. And look, there's been an open championship that played a Royal Port Royal, yeah. but it was six decades ago. And it's a whole different day and age. And there were so many layers that went into this. I mean, the first and foremost is politics, right? right. I mean, we all know what, what has happened in Northern Ireland. And we they have moved beyond that. I've been to Northern Ireland enough times to know that it's safe here. I'm walking around the streets. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. That being said... Just last week, and they do this once a year, it's called the marches, where each side has their celebrations. And sometimes those marches still, to this day, become violent. And I think the RNA, who runs the Open Championship, were obviously a little concerned about that. But you talked about the sellout, and I think this goes back to when they first made the pitch. They had the Irish Open at Royal Portrush, and that, that was kind of Rory and Graham McDowell, and it was right after Darren Clark had won the Open Championship. And they had all of these three guys behind it, and, and the whole country sort of coalesced. And they sold out then, too. Like, I've, I've spoken with people. I've been here since last Friday, and I've spoken to people about it, and it was sold out then, and it was just a madhouse. And it's a golf-crazed country, both Northern Ireland and Ireland. And I think the opportunity to do this and, and to showcase one of their greatest courses, and I truly believe that this is probably going to move to at least two or three in the Open Championship rotation as far as favorites for players. And I say that for a number of reasons. One, it's a really good golf course from a design aspect, from a shot-making aspect, but it's also visually stunning. So I would almost compare it to kind of their Pebble Beach, where not only is it a really good golf course, but you're going to see some beautiful uh, venues this week. It's right on the ocean. It's on the cliffs. It's very dramatic. And all of those things, along with the hospitality here, are going to factor in, and it's, it's going to end up being – one of the best opens in, in recent history. You mentioned that golf crazy part of the world. I wonder if you can illustrate that even more because, you know, in the United States, people think of American football, they think of basketball, they think of baseball, and then, of course, golf is, is somewhere in the mix after the most popular sports. When I think of the United Kingdom generally or even some of those places more specifically, obviously they love soccer. Uh, cricket has been a big thin thing there lately. Wimbledon just ended as a very popular tennis event. But but it seems like where you are right now and what you're surrounded by is is as much the golf culture as anywhere on planet Earth. In how many ways do you see such things in your travels over there? 
No, absolutely. So we got here last Friday, and we were actually down in Ireland, in South in the Republic. And it, this weekend was essentially their version of, for Gaelic football, it was a conference final. So if you were comparing it to the NFL, it's the conference finals. It's a big weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all football fans. And it, I picked up the newspaper one morning, and the headline was, Roy McIlroy primed for Open Championship. Darren Clark ready did to play the Open Championship. And, oh, yeah, the Gaelic football finals are going on. That's not happening in the States, man. I mean, right. let's be honest. By the time the conference finals are being played, you and I aren't talking about uh, golf. And I think that gives you an indication uh, of how passionate they are. And everywhere we've gone, whether if it's here in Northern Ireland or in the South earlier this week, people have asked about it. You know, what do you expect? Who, who do you like? What do you think is going to happen? Do you like the golf course? And, Everyone, even if they're not a golf fan. And I guess the best way to say it, like football in the United States, it sort of transcends if you're an actual fan or not. You're kind of curious about how the Panthers are going to do this season. So it's very, very similar to that. Rex Hoggard is joining us. Find his work at GolfChannel.com, of course, on that TV channel as well. Find him on Twitter, at Rex Hoggard GC, joining us live from the Open Championship, which begins competitive play on Thursday. I saw an interesting stat, and you always have answers when I have questions in golf. The average age of a British Open winner is 36-plus, whereas the average age of the other three majors combined is under uh, under 30 in two cases and barely 30 in the case of the Masters. What would make that happen? What, why is the Open Championship more conducive to older guys winning? Because I think it's such a unique brand of golf. I mean, you, you go to the Masters, you go to the PGA Championship, you go to the U.S. Open, the same brand of golf wins, right? If you can hit as high, if you can putt well, if you can drive it a long way, that's always the three key elements. I mean, you can look at it and you can boil things down very, very simply. But when it comes to links golf and the conditions that you can end up with and the bounces you can get and, and how even if you're perfect, sometimes things don't go your way, I think that kind of explains it. We've seen that with maybe older and older winners throughout the years. Certainly Darren Clark just a few years ago yeah. was a perfect example. Ernie Els I would put in there as well. You, you don't have to bomb it. Certainly it helps. I mean, you if you ask me my favorites, it's going to be one of those guys that we always talk about. It's going to be the Dustins or the Rory's or the Brooks Kepkas. But when it, you can get away with not being a bomber here. You think of a guy like Kevin Kisner, where he can come out and he can continue to hit driver, and as long as he's controlling his golf ball, he's essentially going to be playing from the same spot. Just because the bounces you get and what you need to do. It, I, I guess the perfect example of this, I would tell you, is in the U.K., on links courses, all the distances are to the front of the green. Hmm. Whereas if you play golf in America, it's always you want to know what's the distance to pin, right? Right. That's never the case in the U.K. on a links course, simply because you have to play for the run out. And the guys that figure that out, the guys that break the elements, that break the fact that look, you're going to get a bad bounce, you just need to move on, those are the guys that have success. And normally, I mean, not to be general here, but normally that's more of a mature player. Yeah. Rex Hoggard is joining us on the David Glenn Show. That Tiger Woods guy has not played tournament golf in a month, and he's gone from, of course, winning the Masters, getting that number 15, to more disappointing finishes. It was a top 25, I guess, at the U.S. Open. I read that he spent a chunk of this past month traveling with his family in Thailand. I know his mom is partially of Thai descent, so I don't know if that's part of it. But what, what do you make of Tiger not playing a tournament golf round in a month uh, what else do you know about his preparation for the Open Championship? 
Yeah, he was in Thailand, and it, it had a lot to do with his mom. Obviously, he wanted to bring his kids to Thailand and see where their grandmother grew up. And he had this trip planned for a long time, so I did not expect him to change, you know, switch gears. And it was kind of a thought maybe after the U.S. Open that he would at an event. But I just think this is the new norm when it comes to Tiger Woods. He's not going to play 15 events a year. Again, that's just not going to be his deal. He's going to come out and and play the events that he feels that are important to him, and specifically that's going to be the majors and probably the WGCs. And after that, he's going to take these extended breaks. And part of that is, I think, physically, he probably feels like, and it's probably true, it's the only way his body can withstand. I mean, at the end of last season, which ended on such a high note with that victory at Eastlake, at the Ryder Cup, you could see it. He was spent. I mean, he he was physically done. There was nothing left in the tank. And I don't think he wants to get to that spot again, specifically when it comes to trying to win one of these major championships. So what if it's the best preparation? Is that That's another debate, because you can sit here and look at what happened before Beth Page, and he didn't play a month before that. And, that, of course, that was right after winning the Masters. And he didn't perform well there. He missed the cut. So coming into this week, you would think it would be a little bit different. But you always wonder, is this new norm going to be good enough for Tiger to be able to contend like he used to? And I'm the I think that question is still to be answered. I only have about 30 seconds, but even though he's not on my list or probably yours of those top contenders that you mentioned earlier, 49-year-old Phil Mickelson posted recently that he's lost 15 pounds with a six-day fast among frustratingly poor play. What do you make of that? (laughs) Phil being Phil? I mean... (laughs) Yeah, Phil being Phil, and obviously he was disappointed in his play, specifically at Pebble Beach, because uh, I really felt like he probably in his heart of hearts felt like that was his last chance to win a U.S. Yeah. Open. Yeah. He performed so well there. He won earlier this year at the AT&T Pro-Am, and I really felt like there was a lot of disappointment coming out of that when he didn't perform like he wanted to. And, and look, at, at this stage in his career, he, he needs to be able to turn things around. And I, I was very doubtful of Phil a few years ago. I was having dinner with his trainer, and his trainer turned to me and he goes, Phil's going to win the Open Championship this year. And I kind of spit out my beer a little <laughs> bit. And I was like, are they playing the British Open somewhere here in the United States? Because <laughs> his best finish at that point was like a P7. I mean, he had one top 10 finish, I think, to, you know, in his entire career. And it was Mirfield. It was the year he won. Yeah. And I think when he's motivated and he has sort of that vision, that he has the ability to, to yep. do very, very special things. So. I don't know that he's ever going to win the U.S. Open again, but I definitely think he's one of those guys that can win the British. Rex Hoggard, live from the Open Championship. Thanks for your time, as always, on the David Glenn Show. Hey, David. Thanks, man. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Whenever you get a chance, check out the article that took me three months to put together at theathletic.com, The Athletic Carolina, and in the pages, a different version in the ACC Sports Journal if you're a subscriber to that outstanding magazine. Thank you to Rex Hoggard for joining us from the Open Championship. Intern Will did a great job on Major League, the classic sports movie of the day. Always appreciate when Pedro Serrano, Charlie Sheen, and Renee Russo can drop by. We'll be live from Charlotte Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be right back here in studio tomorrow. Hope you're with us on the David Glenn Show.
Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.